Of the most talked about environmental issues, global warming is number one. While it's politically correct for man to be held responsible for the warmer climate, is it a true picture of what's really happening in our environment? Stay tuned. There's more CO2 in the atmosphere. That's increasing. Where it's coming from is really the big question. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. We've all heard so much about global warming and the panicky demands that something be done now and how scientists place the blame for this terrible environmental nightmare on the shoulders of people. But not all scientists are in an uproar over global warming and not all scientists are so sure that human beings are 90% to blame for it, as a 2007 climate change report indicated. Please stay tuned for the next 15 minutes and we'll hear three atmospheric scientists discuss possible non-man-made causes of global warming. Michael Ord is a retired National Weather Service atmospheric scientist. He says there's no question that the Earth is getting warmer. We're seeing a little bit of melting of the ice cap in the Arctic. Uh, temperatures have gone up an average of about 1.2 degrees in about 120 years. There's some problems with those measurements, but they're probably in the ballpark, I think. So we have plenty of evidence that global warming is real. But what is causing the Earth to warm up? Although it's widely reported in the media that most scientists believe we humans are to blame for almost all of it, there are many scientists that disagree. And to voice their opposition, nearly 20,000 of them have signed an online petition at oism.org slash pproject. Michael Ord says this shows that even if it's the popular thing to do, not all scientists are in agreement about the cause of global warming. As far as this consensus, most scientists agree that it's mostly man-made. I don't think there's a consensus at all. It's probably a majority of climate scientists. But, you know, it's politically correct to be on the bandwagon for man-made global warming. You don't get any grants if you're... Uh, have an idea that the sun is causing a good percentage of it. So the grant processes and the universities and the media, these are all controlled by people who are trying to stir up all this global warming hysteria. The reason man is considered a major contributor to global warming is because of the burning of fossil fuels, which emits carbon dioxide, or CO2, into the atmosphere. But besides man's activities, there are natural occurrences and fluctuations that also put heat into the atmosphere. So how much global warming is human-caused, and how much of it is from natural fluctuations? ICR atmospheric scientist Dr. Larry Vardaman. There's more CO2 in the atmosphere. That's increasing. Where it's coming from is really the big question. The balance between the atmosphere and the ocean is very uh, delicate, and whether the large amount of carbon dioxide that's been measured in our observing site in Mauna Loa for the last 50 years is coming from the ocean, or whether it's coming from sources of burning of fossil fuels, cutting down of trees, and so on, we don't really know for sure. We have an inclination that man's sources are producing some, but probably not all of that, maybe as much as 50%, but we don't even know that. It could be that the ocean is the major source for much of that CO2. Michael Ord. The way I'm doing it, I'm splitting it in the middle. Half of it's due to natural fluctuations. The other half is due to man increasing carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. 
So if half of the 1.2 degrees Fahrenheit is due to man causing increased carbon dioxide, then we're only talking about 0.6 degrees Fahrenheit increase in 120 years. That's pretty small, which leaves us plenty of time for research. And boy, do we need the research because there are many controversies and problematic areas in this area of global warming. If we are truly to understand the issue of global warming, we need to recognize that the Earth's climate goes through different cycles. Dr. Ed Holroyd is a retired atmospheric scientist with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The Earth's climate has a complicated system of positive and negative feedbacks. Historically, there's been a general warming and drying since the time of the Ice Age, but the changes have not been steady. As the Ice Age was ending, there was a setback to cold conditions after initial warming. That episode is called the Younger Dryas. In more recent times, a thousand years ago, was a warm period during which the edge of Greenland was green and the Vikings thrived and expanded their influence around Europe. Temperatures were warmer then than in the alarmist predictions for our future. That was good for the Scandinavian countries. Several hundred years ago uh, was the period known as the Little Ice Age. The cooler and wetter conditions contributed to disease problems. There was a year without a summer during which crops failed because of late and early freezes. The climate has been warming since then, including the changes during the past century. Those climate changes had nothing to do with massive burning of fossil fuels. So it's important to pay attention to natural occurrences as they can be used as a gauge for climate activity. Perhaps the best indicator of global warming does not involve human temperature measurements. Mountain glaciers in most locations are shrinking rapidly. The Arctic ice cap has been thinning. This could be a symptom of warming, but it could also be a byproduct of decreased snowfall that sustains those ice packs. Less snow means that there will be a change in reflectance during the warm seasons as the landscape darkens. This allows the sun to create the observed warming. In contrast, there are some parts of Antarctica that have been cooling, but that is seldom mentioned because global warming has become a political issue. Michael Ord explains that when a wide area of ice starts to melt, positive feedback will cause it to melt even faster. For instance, you decrease the area of ice, you decrease the, the amount of reflection back to space of sunlight, and so you absorb more sunlight by the rocks that are exposed, and so you have a, a feedback of less ice causing warmer temperatures just by this uh, increased absorption by the surrounding rocks left bare from the ice removal. So you have some feedbacks that will aid this 1 degree, 1.2 degree Fahrenheit increase in temperature. So the amount of sunlight and heat that the Earth receives should be an obvious factor in the global warming trend. Dr. Holroyd says the same is true for one of Earth's neighbors, which has been warming up due to solar activities. About a year ago, there was a science news article that indicated that the planet Mars has experienced a warming in the last few hundred years. Of course, such could not be an effect of human production of carbon dioxide. It is a symptom of solar changes. Our sun is a variable star. There are 11 and 22 year sunspot cycles plus possibly longer fluctuations. It is ultimately the sun that controls our climate changes. 
Therefore, we should look to the solar changes as the first cause in any global warming. Michael Ord would agree. As far as the effects of the sun, sunspots is a, is a good indication of the amount of uh, sunlight coming. And in the, oh, the 1700s, especially, we had the Maunder Minimum, where there were practically no sunspots for about a 60-year period. And the significance of this is that with no sunspots, you also do not have the warming faculae on the sun. So the net effect is, is cooler or a little less sunshine and cooler temperatures on the ground. But we're having the opposite effect in the last 100 years uh, from the suns. We have a lot more sunspots, and therefore, which are cool spots, but they're made up more by more faculae on the sun, and therefore we have a net heating heating on the earth caused by more sunlight in this situation. So we have these effects of the sun. Besides the natural fluctuation of the sun, another possible reason the earth is warming slightly also has nothing to do with carbon dioxide. Dr. Holroyd explains. The political scapegoat for global warming is the greenhouse gas of carbon dioxide and to a lesser extent methane and ozone. There is a total neglect of the most important greenhouse gas in our atmosphere. When looking at the infrared absorption spectrum of all atmospheric gases, it is water vapor that is perhaps 10 times more powerful than carbon dioxide. It is water vapor that keeps the Earth from being a totally frozen planet. That can be proven by calculating an energy balance for incoming solar radiation versus outgoing thermal radiation from an Earth without greenhouse gases. And yet, water vapor has strong positive and negative feedbacks with respect to climate changes. Although the atmospheric scientists on this broadcast have explained that besides human activity, there are other natural causes for global warming, they're not saying that we shouldn't be concerned or that we shouldn't try to reduce the emission of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Michael Ord. After researching it for many, many years and listening to both sides, I think it's a concern, but I think the doomsayers are, for some reason, making a big deal of this. They only emphasize the bad effects of it, and they say we got to act now, and they seem to not have a balanced view of it in that they don't seem to consider natural fluctuations as being part of this warming and that, that the warming has been small so far that we have enough time to uh, do more research on it. So they emphasize too much uh, one view of this controversy. Dr. Holroyd. The increase in atmospheric carbon dioxide during the past 150 years has been steady and well-documented, resulting from human activity and the burning of fossil fuels. The apparent warming of surface temperatures, however, has not matched that linear pattern. That means that there are other factors creating the warming of the atmosphere, not just carbon dioxide. Regardless of the direction of climate change, it is a good stewardship to limit our use of fossil fuels. The Bible wants us to take good care of God's creation, not to abuse it. We should seek energy efficiency in our domestic and industrial activities. We should stress renewable sources for our energy, saving the limited fossil deposits for special uses. It is true that many people are worried about the effects of global warming and thus believe that we must save the planet. But Dr. Vardaman says that God created the earth to be a stable environment. And no matter what, he is still in control of it. 
So how can people who are fearful of global warming find comfort and security? That comes in faith in God and his provision for our salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus. If we have confidence in this world only, we are subject to all kinds of instabilities and uncertainties. I don't know how people live or function in a world that is so insecure as we have today in our scientific worldview and in terms of the politics and everything that goes on around us. I take great comfort in knowing that my soul has been saved and I have an eternity with God in the future. And I look forward to that. Even if a mountain falls on me and kills me, I'm going to live forever with God. So I would encourage our our listeners who are not Christians, who have not come to that knowledge, that saving knowledge of who the Lord Jesus is, to investigate the claims of Christ. And He will provide the security and the salvation that they need. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.